0: Welcome to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. I help women to overcome obstacles so they can become courageous warriors who live with hope. This is your place for inspiration and empowerment. I hope you will connect with me at ValerieSilvera.com and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Hello there, my friends. In this episode, I want to talk to you about having the courage to get off the roller coaster from hell. This is number four in my Courage 2 series. So, not only learning how to get off the roller coaster from hell, but first identifying the difference between really a real roller coaster from hell and just life, because life can be a roller coaster. And then, you know, so what the roller coaster from hell is like, what it really is. It's really funny because I was thinking as I was making this note that if you're really living on a true roller coaster from hell, I probably don't have to explain what it's like, do I? And then I'm gonna share with you the one thing you must do to, to get off. And maybe a couple more tips along the way. So for me, when I decided that my life was a roller coaster from hell, was with my daughter Jamie's addiction. And for those of you who don't know my story, for the first three years, so between the ages of about 15 to 18, Jamie just went off the rails. I mean, if I really t- made a list of all the stuff, you'd think it was a Jerry Springer episode and not, you know, still standing with Valerie Silvera. It it was crazy. I mean, the stuff that that I've even forgotten and they popped up in conversation. I went, oh my gosh, she put us through hell. It was terrible. But I didn't even define Myself as living on the roller coaster from hell during those first three years. It really wasn't until I was sitting in the hospital after she'd been shot when she was 18, and it was near fatal. And I didn't hear about it because she had been living with her dad at the time because she thought, you know, life would be so much rosier there because his rules weren't quite like ours. And so I didn't hear about it until the next morning on the way home from a breakfast meeting. And it was really weird because I called my husband and um, he just kind of fill him in on what I'd done at this breakfast meeting because it was really early still. And when I was on my way home and he kind of acted a little funny, uh, we were having this cousin party. The cousins, no matter how old they were, they loved to get together and I'd make enchiladas and, and the teenagers they were at this point and they were all getting together and I was, they were going to spend the night. I was like the old times when they were little. And I told Rich that I had, wasn't able to sleep at all the night before. I said, I don't know why. I just couldn't sleep all night. I'm so tired. But I'm going to stop and get the ingredients for the enchiladas. And he said, why don't you not do that? Why don't you do that later and come home first and take a nap? Well, you know, as I got closer to my house, I thought, he said, come home. He didn't say go home. He was supposed to be at the office or at least on his way to the office. But he said, come home. That told me he was still at home. So you know what I thought? I thought he's staying home because my parents were in town and it, it was this August day in the Seattle area. And I thought, oh, he's going to surprise me and stay home and, you know, get all involved in the cousin party and all the, you know, enchilada prep and all this stuff. So when I pulled into the garage, sure enough, there was his car. So I thought, oh, this is great. He's home. He's going to stay home today. And then he came out from the door to the house, you know, into the garage and the look on his face. Oh boy. I knew instantly there was no cousin party and there were no enchiladas. I knew something was terribly wrong. And anyway, long story short, he somehow got me into the car and I got down to the ICU and found out how serious it was. And it was a near fatal wound and it barely missed her iliac vein. And she had to spend hours and hours in surgery. They had to cauterize vessels and veins so she wouldn't bleed to death. And when I got there, she's laying there and she's not even awake at, from surgery yet. They hadn't even taken out the breathing tube. And it was just awful. It was just a nightmare. And I was just like, this is such a roller coaster from hell. And I remember thinking that, you know, later on, a few nights later in the, in the um, trauma recovery unit where we were, and I slept with her 24-7, I was with her. And one night she held my hand and she said, Mommy, will you pray with me? And I thought, this is it. This is the moment. She's never asked me to pray for, with her. This is it. My 18-year-old daughter, after three years of riding that roller coaster from hell, everything's going to be okay now. She's coming back to us. I had found out in the ICU from the detectives that Jamie had been shot by her ex-boyfriend, who was a gang member. I knew he was a bad guy, and I wanted her to get away from him. And But I, had, I, I didn't know he was a gang member. I, I thought he could be, but it was confirmed. And even though it was her ex-boyfriend, there she was right back in that world and ended up being shot and almost died. So there I was thinking, this is it. We held hands and I prayed like some Baptist preacher, you know, and I'm not a super duper out loud praying kind of girl, but I did. Oh, goodness, did I? And I thought everything's going to be okay. But nope, wasn't to be. I was going to need to buckle down my my shoulder harness, and put on my seatbelt because that ride on the roller coaster from hell got a lot worse. It got a lot worse. So over the next decade, it just, I mean, all hell really broke loose. It just got terrifying. And I wound up finding out that Jamie was addicted to drugs and eventually to heroin. And, you know, I never thought I'd use the words Jamie and heroin in the same sentence. It, it blew my mind. It broke my heart. It shattered my heart into a million pieces. Everything we lived through and went through. It was terrible. It was awful. And it was like, how, how can I get off? God, get me off of this. I prayed a million prayers. Get me off of this thing. I expected God to reach down and pick me up and just yank me off this thing. I thought, well, it's got to come to an end at some point, right? And then somebody will release the safety bar and I'll just get the heck off this thing. None of that happened. There I was. Writing the roller coaster from hell for 13 years. Life just falling apart for me. And it wasn't just Jamie's addiction. Rich and I were going through some very difficult other challenges with business and things. And I moved, had to move to Miami and just all this stuff happened all at once. And I was going, what is this? A life sentence? I'm terrified. I'm writing this thing painfully up one hill and screaming down the next, just terrified of what was around the next corner. Can you relate to this? If you can relate to this, then that, you know what I'm talking about. You know what the roller coaster from hell is. We have to be careful to not get it confused with regular roller coasters because life is a roller coaster of ups and downs and highs and lows and ebbs and flows and twists and turns. That's life. So, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I have spoken with people before that think they're on a roller coaster from hell. And really I'm looking at them going, I don't think they quite understand. That's just regular life stuff. And so what we don't want to do is to not saying that that this, their regular life stuff isn't real and it isn't stressful and it isn't difficult. I'm not trying to minimize it. But the, the challenge is... Or the danger, I guess, is that if we say, oh my God, my life's on the roller coaster from hell and we, we think it's this wh- horrible thing we can't manage, God forbid something really bad big happens. How are you going to manage it if you already thought you were, you know, living the worst thing? So I think we have to be careful to not confuse the two because, you know, regular life's roller coasters, we just have to go with it. The roller coaster from hell is different. You can't go with it anymore. So here's the one thing. It's the big thing. It is the one thing. It is my number one tip for getting off the roller coaster from hell. Are you ready? This is what it is. You have to pull the emergency brake and get off. Okay, somebody wants to reach through and slap me right now. I know it. (laughs) I think when I was writing it, if somebody had just said to me, get off pull the emergency brake. I would have said, are you nuts? You know how hard this is? I didn't say it wasn't hard. And I didn't say that's the end of the story, the end of the process. But it is the first step without question. It is your decision to reach down and pull that emergency brake and get the heck off. Done. Now, when you do that, let's say your situation is similar to mine. It could be anything, by the way, that has you on this roller coaster from hell, but let's say yours is similar to mine. It doesn't mean when I got off, I went, eh, don't care about Jamie anymore. You know, and all of a sudden I hardened my heart. That didn't happen. In fact, pulling that emergency brake was painful. You know, you've maybe have heard me talk before about the super mom cape, you know, and I have this whole, you know, way I talk about it in this kind of uh, fake way as if there really was a, 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 a supermom cape and how it's ripped and shredded and torn and tattered and faded. And I've had it, you know, stuck in doors and drawers and in my underwear and wrapped around my neck until it nearly strangled me. But when I went to take it off, it was hard because it was a part of me. Yeah. Me and that cape have been together for 13 years. Well, truthfully longer since my kids were born. But when it really got its use was during those 13 years. And even though I wanted it off of me, it was strangling me, it was hard to do. And it scared me because I thought if I took off the supermom cape, it meant I, was, I stopped loving Jamie. I stopped caring that I was never going to be there for her again. I thought it was a, a symbol of me turning my back on her. That wasn't it at all. It was about me. I was dying I wasn't going to survive this if I didn't do something. So if that's you, you might not survive it either. It might be time for you to do just that. Take off the supermom cape and pull the emergency brake and get off the roller coaster from hell. Because you know what else is even worse than you riding that thing? It's who you're riding it with. You are riding it with the beast. Your beast. I call Satan the big beast. These beasts are these little minions that are just wreaking havoc in our lives, that are telling us we're not worthy, that are telling, you know, you're, you're a bad mom, that you're, you're a failure because of a job or a divorce, that you should live in shame and stay in guilt, that you don't have any value. That's what's going on here. The beast is at the controls. And the longer we stay on that roller coaster from hell, the more we come into agreement, the more it becomes us, the more it becomes our entire identity. And that is tragic. So that's where it begins. You make that decision. You say, that's it. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm getting off. I'm going to pull the emergency brake and get off. I've made a decision. Now here's the trick. Let me go back to the supermom cape. I felt like when I took off the supermom cape that I was, it, it felt freeing. My gosh, I could breathe again. And then I panicked. Right? What if I needed it again? And so I like to joke around and say, well, I gave it to Rich for safekeeping. And he probably burned it. I had to have some help. I had to have some help staying off. He wanted me to get off for a long time. Once I made that decision, I had to resist the urge. And this is what you're going to have to do. Once you make that decision to get off, you pull that emergency brake screech. You know, I wish I could do sound effects. I can't do it. It seems like girls can't do it as well either, but I wish I could make a sound effect of, you know, the bar going up and the, the roller coaster screeching. I guess the bar should come up after the screech and, you know, getting off. But then here is what is so critical. Resist the urge to head back to the not so amusing amusement park and getting back on that ride. It will call you. You'll get free tickets in the mail. Maybe a friend will want you to join them. Somehow you're going to be urged to go back and get on that stupid roller coaster. And I'm here to encourage you, to implore you to not get back on. So how are you going to do that? You probably need an accountability partner of some kind. Somebody that will help you not go back. You need to realize that this is not saying you don't care. When I got off the roller coaster from hell, I literally told Jamie that I love you more than the, more than anything in the world. I love you as much today as the day you were born. Nothing will ever change that you can't do. And you, she did a lot of things, a lot of things that were bad. I said, nothing, nothing can change how much I love you, but And I want you in my world, but it's fair, only fair for you to know what that world looks like, right? How can I expect her to make that decision to be in my world if she doesn't really know what it looks like, like she didn't already know? And I just painted the picture. You know, this is a world of integrity and love and peace. I mean, no, we don't live in peace every minute of every day, but, but this is my goal. This is how my life is. And, and we don't have people shooting each other because remember she was shot when she was 18 we don't have people shooting each other. We don't have, you know, we don't, we don't invite danger into our world. We don't have active drug use in our house. You know, that's just, it's not going to work. We can't have, I don't want you in my world. If you're just never going to show up and say you're going to a not, that's just not the way it's going to work. So please, I want you in my world, but it's fair for me to tell you what it looks like. And you know what she said to me? That's fair, mom. And, um, and it was, it was rough. It was really rough. But I had to recognize and realize that I was drowning and I wasn't going to be there for my son, Sean, after a while. I mean, I already wasn't. Really, I really wasn't. I mean, thank God he doesn't hold any of this against me now, but I was not there the way he needed me. And he struggled a lot in his late teens and into his 20s and maybe even up to about 30. He struggled with a lot of different things that I could have helped him through. You know, and I've had to forgive myself for that, but this was creating chaos in my marriage and every other part of my life. And certainly I wouldn't be here right now, you know, hopefully giving you just a little bit of light and hope if I had not made that decision to get off. So to stay off, like I said, you might need an accountability partner. You've got to give up the guilt and shed the shame. You've got to use the F word as I call it. You've got to forgive yourself. Forgive other people. I forgave Jamie for all of it. I didn't like any of it, but I just let it all go. I forgave her for all the crap. I even forgave the beast. I still hate the beast. But I forgave him, meaning I didn't let him suffocate me anymore. I didn't think about him all the time. I didn't think about all the the, the garbage. I decided to fight. Self-care. I call it the oxygen mask. You put on your oxygen mask and realize that taking care of you is not selfish. I could argue that it's selfish not to take care of yourself. Have the courage to take care of yourself. Focus on your purpose. This mission that chose me has been the hardest thing I've ever done professionally, personally. Well, letting go of Jamie and letting, you know, living through her murder and all that was probably the hardest, but... Professionally for sure and and you know right up there emotionally and everything else, this has been the hardest thing by, by multiples. And but it's also been cathartic, it's also helped me, it's also given me purpose in the pain. Recognize that you are intertwined but a separate person from your loved one, or you know, whoever this person is that keeps you on this roller coaster from hell, if there's someone that has something to do with it. None of this is easy. Okay, nothing that I talk about really is easy. That's why I talk so much about courage. You know, you're either going to live in fear or you're going to choose courage, and it's really a choice. So, we either wait, wish, hope and, and pray, and, and and hoping and praying are good. But we have to get on with our lives. You have to get on with the business of living your life. You need to be a role model. You know, that's one of the driving factors for me is that I thought what kind of a role model lays down on the mat, cries in the walk-in closet, pretends they're happy, which is, you know, I'm being fake. This is this person who's always been pretty transparent and um, a person who prides herself on being, having integrity. And I'm living a lie. I'm not demonstrating what courage looks like. I wasn't you know, providing any lessons to Sean or Jamie about how to fight when life is tough. How were they going to learn if I didn't show them? I was going to just wait and hope that somebody else came along when there I was standing there with this massive opportunity. So I decided to take it. You know, I was going to be the one. Why don't you be the one? If you have a loved one that's riding their own roller coaster from hell, why don't you show them that it's possible? Why don't you demonstrate how to pull the emergency brake and get off? Why don't you show them it's possible? And then take those other steps to stay off. And not just to stay off, but to, to start to fly. To learn lessons, to become more because of this horrific experience. I know that whatever you're going through is is beyond difficult or you would have gotten off a long time ago if it was just so easy to get off everybody would be off the roller coaster from hell but you're special you do have what it takes you are one of the people that is going to be a shining example of hope and courage that's going to to shine their light in the darkness so that somebody else can find that beacon of hope that needs to be you stop allowing other people putting that on someone else to do it Why not you? Have the courage to get off the roller coaster from hell. I'm here to help you do that. If there's anything I can do to help you, go to ValerieSilvera.com. You can get on my email list. I have courses. I have coaching. Don't sit there alone. I did that. I did that for 13 years, probably more than 13. It wasn't like I just got off the roller coaster from hell and all of a sudden I have this (laughs) support system I probably did it for 15 years. I encourage you not to do that anymore. You are not alone. I am standing right there with you. So live courageously. Thanks for listening. I will see you next time at Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. In the meantime, connect with me at ValerieSilvera.com.